been talking about last days. Newsflash, if we were not yet aware, we're living in the last days. Now that is either confronting or very exciting. How many of you ever have a test and you're like, I would wish for the rapture right now. Or, or, or the better one is you do something really wrong and you're like, this is wrong. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this without getting in trouble. Jesus, could the rapture come right now? Now, we could, after youth, we can explore all the stories of those moments where we're like, rapture, come right now. I got this test. Jesus, come right now. Take, we dream for those things, but we're living in the last days, meaning today, right now, tomorrow, the rapture is closer than it ever has been before. But the scripture, the Bible, uh, I'll, I'll do the old uh, the stance of, the, um, of my, my Instagram post that I get every time preaching. There you go. Change it. There it is. You need the Bible. The scripture, right? This book, I got distracted with myself. I just saw the, my Instagram mirrored in my head. Uh, but this book tells us stuff about the last days. It tells us things about what will happen in the end times, which is very exciting. And so I'm wanting to go over a bit of a series for us so we can understand and learn what the last days are all about, what it means for us as Christians, what it means for us if we're not a Christian, and why we want to be a Christian, because it's very exciting. And um, I'm believing that the best days are ahead for your life, and I'm believing God can do something powerful. And so the, where this phrase, the last days, came from, it's on the book of Acts chapter 2. And so in the book of Acts chapter 2, that's where we'd say the church began. So that some people call it the birthing of the church. Like when you were birthed, your life began. Well, technically it began nine months previous, but you know what I'm saying. We don't celebrate your conception date, we celebrate your birth date. And so that's when the church officially started, was on, in the book of Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was released on the day of Pentecost, right? And so then crazy things are happening, and then everyone's getting criticized of being drunk because of what the Holy Spirit was doing. They're thinking, are these people drunk? And then Peter, one of the disciples, steps up and goes, no, 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 no. These people aren't drunk. They've just been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he starts preaching a message. And so from verse 16, which I think will come up, uh, to Acts chapter 2, um, from about 14 to 21, but we're going to think a little bit like verses 16. Peter preaches and he says, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. So then in the, book, the Bible, there's a prophet called Joel. You'll find a book in the Bible called Joel. And this guy called Joel prophesies all this stuff. And then hundreds of years later, Jesus comes. Jesus goes into heaven after dying on the cross. And then he, like, he's hanging out with the disciples, right? For those that aren't aware of the story. He's hanging out with his disciples on a mountain. Then he just starts levitating. I'm levitating. And he just literally disappears in the sky and he's gone. And then, but before he like did his whole, I'm levitating and disappeared. And literally the disciples are like going, like, you know when you have like a, a helium balloon and just like, yonder, you're like, I've lost it. Right, so Jesus helium ballooned out of there. And then these angels come down to the disciples and say, hey, he's gone. He's not coming back. Now do what he said. And so what he said to them was to wait into Jerusalem uh, to, to receive the Holy Spirit. So why I got caught up in all that? Oh, yeah. So, um... I know where I was going. So Joel, hundreds of years previous, prophesied these prophecies. And then Jesus, then 200 years later, whatever, not 200 years, but hundreds of years, I should say, later, Jesus rocks up on the scene. And then because of what Jesus done, this prophecy came true. And so Peter, the disciple, knew of this prophecy and goes, we've now living out of what Joel got from God, the download that Joel got from God. We're now living that experience, which is now in verse 17, it says, 
in the last days. Can everyone say that? In the last days. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons, can, have we got any sons in the place? Give me a who. Who? Yep, the sons. Uh, and your daughters, can everyone go, hey. <laughs> nah. Yeah, so there's some daughters in this place. Uh, we'll prophesy. Who? Hey. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, clouds and smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. Verse 21 is my favorite one here. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to say that again. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right, why don't we just close our eyes, put your hand on your heart or something and as a way to connect closer to Jesus. Jesus, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the, the men and women who've gone before us. And God, may we stand up in our generation. May we know what it means to live in the last days for our generation. May we not be scared, but may we live prepared. May we live awake, alert to the, to the coming of your return, that we don't live in regret, but we, we can live with a, not if only, but we live with a remember when. Remember when we lived out of faith. Remember when we stepped out. Remember when God did something because we were obedient. So God, I just pray over us. God, I thank you that it doesn't matter who's not here. It matters that we're here and you've got an assignment and agenda for our life that we're here on purpose, on design to be fruitful and flourish and be favoured. And everyone said, amen. We agree, I'll have some of that. That's other ways of saying amen. So I don't know about you, I don't know how many of you use the 180 magazine. I use it. Um, and this morning was brilliant. So um, what's today's day? The 24th, 28th, 28th, 28th of August. So it's clearly no one's birthday then because they'll be like, I know exactly what date it is. Oh, is it? So Sunday, the 28th of August, it was talking about respect, authority. But I love in the soul food reading, right? So today we read Genesis 11, 1 to 9. Well, I did, but we say we because we're collective here. And then Philippians chapter 2, 1 to 11. And they're pretty interesting Bible verses. Genesis is in the Old Testament and Philippians is in the New Testament. And what you'll notice if you do the soul food reading in the, in the Word for Today's or the 180 magazines, Monday to Friday, it's a, if you read all those scriptures, so it normally has a, a big book of the Bible that you read, a bit of the Gospels, a bit of Psalms, and a bit of Proverbs. And then if you read them from Monday to Saturday, all, every day of the year, you would have read the whole Bible in a year. That's pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. You get through the whole Bible in a, re, a year doing that. But then what do you do on a Sunday? So they've been a bit cheeky and a bit sneaky. And they've, they do what you, you might call um, a theme of the Bible or a principle in the Bible, things in the Bible that link together, that you go, oh, wow, those two stories are separate, but they connect. Or these two situations are different, but they connect. And it'll have links and themes in the Bible. So it might talk about this theme of Jesus being the Lamb of God. Well, what does that mean? And it'll have scriptures. Or it could be another theme, could be Jesus is the Lion. Like, and so Jesus is the Lion and a Lamb. So interesting, but it'll have these two different links about who Jesus is. It could be that Jesus is our Shepherd. There's that link in there. It could be the, uh, there's just so many different themes in scripture that would be um, 
We could be here forever. But today, it, was, it wasn't necessarily a, a... And so I love a Sunday. I'm like, wake up first thing Sunday morning going, man, what has the, the word for today or the 180 magazines, soul food reading link, what am I going to discover in the reading today? And when I was reading it, I was like, hmm, this isn't a link. These are a comparison. And so in the book of Genesis, there's these humans... And it's called the Tower of Babel, where they, these humans came together and they were full of pride. And they said, how can we as people get ourselves to heaven? How can we as people in our own might get ourselves to where God lives? And it was, they had a prideful thing going, we don't need God. We can do it on our own. And then God's like, uh-oh, this is dangerous. These people have lost the plot. And he had to split them up before they got to heaven in a real evil way. So that was really interesting. Then we get in, we read the New Testament one today in Philippians, and it was about humility and that Jesus, who we believe last week we learned about this, Jesus is divine. Jesus is the creator of heaven and earth. He created all, but he, in humility, he humbled himself to be his own creation. Like that is crazy to think about. So in the Old Testament, you have people trying to get themselves to God out of their own pride. Then we see in the New Testament, Jesus the creator of it all, humbled himself, came to earth so that he could make a way for us to get to God. It's an amazing, it was an amazing thing that we, in the soul food reading today, going, wow, the difference between pride and humility and that people tried to get themselves to God, but what was more powerful was in humility, God limited himself. He could do whatever he wanted and he limited himself to a human body so that he could make a way for us to get to him. Which is what we've read in Acts about Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so when I started this last day's series, if we want to call it, we looked at the first one about Moses' dream, and Moses had a dream that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people. And now in the last days, we live in that reality. Moses' dream is our reality, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on everyone. And I believe that you can speak in tongues. I believe that you can prophesy and use other spiritual gifts because you have access to the Holy Spirit because we're living in the last days. So that was the first thing that we learned, that the Holy Spirit is now poured out for everyone. And then last week we, we did, a, or the last time I preached, I should say, we looked at the, the concept of Jesus being the Son of Man. And so, so to, it was building context for today is that now that we know that because of Jesus, everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, everyone can be saved because Jesus was the Son of Man and that He is the way that we can get to heaven. I think that's really amazing. And so, to understand this concept for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 13, we'll see it on the screen as well, uh, the, the, the writer to the church in Romans, Paul, writes this, and it's, a, it's an amazing thing. So he says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Next verse, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. All, as the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Wow. So what this is telling us is there's a difference between a Jew and Gentile. So we, if we understand the Old Testament, God's favoured people were the Israelites. Then just due to the way life changed, they became known as the Jews. And then these Jews were the only ones that knew what it was to obey all the laws, all the regulations to make themselves right with God. And then the Gentiles was anyone that wasn't Jew. So that the Jews believed, if you're a Gentile, which is all of us here, I don't believe any of you have Jewish blood in you. No, no one's, see, no Jews here. So according to the Jews, we Gentiles had no right to God. We had no right to be made right because we were the unchosen people, which is crazy. And so there's all these random laws. They couldn't eat squid. They couldn't eat prawns. All these crazy rules because that was what they did to be made right with God. But so... But then what's the, the question is, so for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? What do we need saving from? What does humanity need saving from? Yeah, kind of. A big thing that we might say, we need because the ultimate end of life is, do we end up in heaven or hell? Right? That's the thing. So what do we got to be saved from? Eternity in hell. No one wants that, but by default, that is the trajectory that life takes us on. And so often a lot of people will say comments like, well, how could I serve a God that sends people to hell? Well, the reality is God sends no one to hell. People choose by their own free will to go, I choose that, that lifestyle. I choose to live a life that my destination is hell. Because Jesus actually came and made a way. He came, as I said, what we read in Philippians, he died on the cross, rose again, that we now have a way that everyone would be saved. It's not his will that anyone goes to hell. If anyone goes to hell now, it is their choice by rejecting Jesus as Lord and Savior. But here's the thing, right? So, so what gets us to hell? A lot of people will say, it's my sin. It's my sin issue is why I go to hell. But we've got to get some maturity and understand it's not actually our sin that gets us to hell. It's God's judgment of our sin. Sin doesn't get you to hell. God sends you to hell. That's the thing that we've got to understand. We've actually got to understand that, yes, God is loving. Yes, God is kind. But God is also just God. And it's because of our sin is why we will end up in hell. And so it's not like, oh, well, I slide. I had greed. I had lust. Whatever the sin you want to imagine. That isn't what gets us to hell. It's God's judgment going, you know what? Guilty of sin. Hell is where you go. But because Jesus came, he took away the punishment of our sin. So then, then when we get on judgment day, so when the rapture comes or we, we die, when we end up in judgment day, we're there at the throne of God, he will go, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And no longer is our life the measuring stick. Jesus substituted. It's like the ultimate tag team. I'm puffed out. Tag, in you go, Jesus. That's what happens. It's like judge, the judgment room when God's on his throne. It's like a wrestling ring, tag team event. We're in, it's like, oh no, we're going to get whooped. Jesus in the last second taps us out. He goes in and, and God goes, oh, heaven you go. And it's amazing things. Like, I would have tapped team Jesus anytime. Then he goes, you know what? My sin's not counted against me, but the pure blood of Jesus washes away my, my debt. And he atones for everything that I've done so that my life will be in heaven because for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so when we meet God on judgment day, he will see Jesus when we live that kind of way. And that's why we've got to understand when we have communion at church, communion isn't just a snack, halftime break, like meal in church. But in baptism as well, communion and baptism are powerful. They are so powerful. 
so as I said, communion is not a snack in the middle of a church gathering. We are, it's, we are believing in our heart that Jesus is Lord. We're confessing with our mouth that, you know, when we take that communion, we're believing in life that Jesus is Lord of my life and I'm confessing Him to be my Savior. That's what we do when we have communion. We're living a life where we're reminding ourselves that Jesus made a way for my life. Same with baptism. Baptism is a, isn't some public ritual of cleaning. Baptism is, is declaring your faith. And you know what? Just like I confess, I believe in my heart, confess in my mouth, baptism is the next step. Going, you know what? I'm going public. I'm, go, I'm, I'm making this public to the world that my life will be forever changed. And to land our plane, um, has anyone heard of the golden rule? Has anyone heard of the golden rule? Matthew 7, verse 12, it'll be up here. This is a golden rule. This is a great rule to live by. Um, do to others whatever you would like them do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So what Jesus was saying there is, goes, if you want to sum up everything in the Old Testament, if you want to sum up everything that's in there, clear, you treat Larissa how you want to be treated. Pastor Chloe, uh, Claire, that's awkward, oh my gosh. Pastor Claire, if you want to, uh, I, I got my, my head confused. If, if you want to, you got to treat Chloe how you want to be treated, right? Noah, you got to treat Charlie how you want to be treated. That's what the golden rule is, right? And so you may have even heard comments like this in your life. Do on, um, uh, if you've got nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. Has anyone heard that one? Because what it's saying is it's like, Max, you can use your, your tongue to bless someone. If you don't want people paying you out, well, don't pay someone else out, right? We live by these things. But And then there's another, there's another thing in Scripture, another principle. This is, I could, should have used this when I was talking about themes in the Bible about the, the, the word for today. But there's a thing called the law of sowing and reaping. Now, our world wants to preach this rubbish of karma. That's another, that's another debate for another day. Karma's rubbish, karma is rubbish. But there is a law in Scripture called sowing and reaping, right? So here's the thing, right? Has any fruit, anyone got a fruit that they like? Yep, flavored fruit. Mango, all right. So if you get a mango seed and I plant it, I am not going to see a coconut tree pop out of the ground. Can I get a witness? If I planted a mango seed in the ground, my coconut tree ain't going to happen because you, you reap what you sow. Any other favorite fruits? Yeah, Shell. Apple. So, Shell gets her favorite apple. Is there a certain kind of apple flavor? Pink lady. So, Shell puts in her pink lady apple tree seeds in the ground. The tree grows up. I ain't plucking oranges or lemons from that pink lady apple tree, right? Why? Because you reap what you sow. But it's the same in the spirit. There's a, there's a principle in law here. So people might have this comment. Well, I got no friends. Hmm, interesting. Well, what are you sowing? Are you bullying everyone? Are you being rude and prickly to everyone? Everyone knows that prickly friend. And it's like, you, and you're telling me you got no friends. Look what you're sowing. You're sowing division. You're sowing strife. You're sowing complaint. Here's another one. You got no friends, right? Well, maybe have a shower. Maybe wear deodorant. Maybe brush your teeth. What are you sowing? If you're sowing stink and unhygiene on your life, of course you're going to be repelling to everybody. You've got to reap what you sow. So if you want to say, well, I want to change, I want to have some friends, well, maybe it's time to look in the mirror and go, wow, maybe I'll brush my hair. Maybe I'm going to be kind. Rather than paying everybody else out, 
they might pay you out, but you know what? Change it, because I want to reap what I sow. And so you start being nice to people. Here's one for my life, right? I'm like, man, I've got no friends, right? That's what I used to think. So you know what I started doing? I started calling people. So every time I call them, now what happens? I get people calling me all the time. But I started sowing phone calls, and now I'm reaping phone calls. So here's it. So to, to bring all that back to this, right? There, so that's the golden rule on earth. We've got to reap what we sow. The ultimate golden rule. The golden rule's golden rule. We find, and then the next one is Matthew chapter 10, 32 to 33. Now, this is a little bit scary. So warning. Ooh. All right. Everyone who acknowledges, this is Jesus talking. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. That's cool. Next one. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Bam. Point A, I love that. You publicly pronounce Jesus in the earth. When it gets to heaven judgment day, Jesus goes, you know what? I'm tapping you in. I'm going to take your punishment. I'm going to take your sin and you're going to get my blameless life. But then Jesus says, if you deny me on earth, when it comes to that wrestling ring of judgment, who are you? I don't know you. What are you talking about? And so the ultimate golden rule, the golden rule's golden rule is that, so yes, when it comes to human relationships, we want to be loving and we want to receive love. But what is the ultimate golden rule? Because it's the same law of reaping what we sow. How do we treat Jesus? Because then how do we treat Jesus on earth? When we get to heaven, He will treat us that way. Think about that. So when it comes to worshiping at youth, when it comes to worshiping at church, do you make your worship public or is your worship private? Because the way we worship on earth, that's the way God will be passionate about us. If we can't get passionate about Jesus in front of Christians, how do we expect Jesus to be passionate for us in front of Christians? Let that sink in. So we want, if, we want, if we believe that Jesus is Lord for our life and we can't get passionate in front of Christians, how's Jesus going to get passionate for us in front of that. And that's not to leave us to live in shame and condemnation, but that's the reality. Jesus is saying, if we can't acknowledge Him here on earth, how will He acknowledge us there? Right? So, again, if, like, if we can't get baptized here on earth, if we can't make a decision to go, you know what, I'm going all in. This is, I, I, I want to be part of the church. I'm making that de- the decision to be baptized. Jesus says, well, you, you, you couldn't take the risk on earth. Well, I'm going to take the risk for you up here. If you can't tell your friends, what did you do on Sunday? I went to youth, had a great time in the presence of God. Huh? Oh, oh yeah, oh, what did you say? Oh yeah, I just I did a lot of homework. Well, this, this is a reality. The golden rule, golden rule is that, yes, we treat people well, but how do we represent Jesus? And so, yes, we pray prayers at church where it is believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. But the ultimate thing of that is that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that is, is Jesus' name on your lips when you're at school? Is Jesus' name on your lips when you're playing netball? Is Jesus' name on your lips anywhere in life that you go? Do you go through life in a secret agent Christian? Because then when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to be a secret agent in front of you. But if we live life where we're proud of Jesus and we make Him public, He will do what's best for us. And so... I didn't think I was going to end on, a, on an altar call. But because we're like family here, why don't we all just stand up? And I don't know, I don't know where you, you, we all sit right now tonight as I stay here. Okay, well, let's stand up. Let's all stand up. I don't, know, I don't know where we sit. I don't know where we stand. But 
uh, for some of us, I know for me, like these scriptures this week preparing the sermon challenges a life out of me. Like the way I treat Jesus on earth, He will treat me the same way when I get to heaven. And and I don't want to I don't want to treat Jesus good and with pride and with as in like uh, be uh, not prideful as in like I boast about it. But, you know, like uh, a healthy kind of like I'm I'm proud to be a Christian. I don't want to live life because I'm scared of going to hell. I want to live that because I love Jesus. Because that's the desire of my heart. And I want you to go, you know what? If, if Jesus really did save me from, from my sin, if Jesus really did die on the cross and loved me, well, I don't want to let guilt rule my life. I don't want to leave let shame rule my life. I don't want to let these things that could so easily pollute my life, pollute my life. But I want to live a life that honors God in a great 